0: Listen to me, friend. God loves you and he shows you his love by leading you through the challenges and the struggles and the battles that we face in this life. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ today and you come to the cross for forgiveness, just like millions upon millions of other people have done before, you will find what you're looking for.
1: You are listening to Entrusted Ministries with Pastor T.K. Anderson of Compass Church in Monterey County, California. In today's program, Pastor Anderson will be speaking out of Joshua 3.16. Now, before we get into the message, a quick reminder that in May of 2024, you're invited to join us on our trip to the Holy Land. We'd love to host you and be your guides as you experience the land of the Bible. All the information is available for you at entrusted.tv. You'll also find information on how to get his new book, God 316, 10 Ways God Shows Us His Love. So with that, let's jump into today's message with Pastor T.K. Anderson.
0: To deepen our understanding collectively and our relationship with God, I'll be starting a new series this morning. And we're calling it Discovering God. Ten ways God shows his love for you. Now, in preparing for this uh, series, I realized something fascinating. And here it is. Embedded within the pages of the Bible, there are actually hidden gems about God's love that are offered in plain sight for everyone to see. In fact, let me give you an example. How many of you are familiar with John 3.16? Let me see your hand. Everybody's pretty much familiar with that one. Did you know there are at least nine more 3.16 verses just like it? Over the next 10 weeks, we're going to together explore these 10 verses, and we're going to learn about different aspects of God's character and his nature, ultimately showing us how much he truly loves us. Now, to also help us along the way, I have one of these cool little bracelets that I put on, and we had the graphic teams make it. It says 316, 316. And so we're going to have one of those for everybody. So when you exit the auditorium today, we'll have the ushers and greeters out there with the bands, and go ahead and get one of those and put those on for the next 10 weeks. It also might be a cool tool for you when someone asks you, what is 316? And you can tell them, come on to church. Our pastor's doing a a series of messages on the 10 ways God shows he loves us through the 316 verses of the Bible. And someone goes, wow, I had no idea. And you say, well, neither did I. But it's going to be fun. So today we're going to focus on the first one, which is the God who leads us. And it's important for us to consider this question because it's important to know who or what is currently leading your life. So in fact, let me just stop and ask you that question. Who or what is currently leading your life? Is God leading your life? Are you leading your own life? Is someone else leading your life? Is it uh, some sort of a substance or an addiction or some other situation that's leading your life? You see, we want to recognize that if God's leading our life, it's the best possible life we can live. And so today I want to share with you how God shows his love by leading us in three distinct ways. And to uncover these three ways, let's explore the first 316 verse. And this is Joshua 316, Joshua 316 up on the screen. And here it is. The water, referring to the Jordan River, above that point, the point where they were standing in the text, which we'll dive in a little bit later. But the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. Which is near Zerathan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. And then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Now, some of you may have read that verse before when you're reading through the Bible and you're like, okay, that's a pretty interesting verse. But I will tell you, there's some things in here. There's three things we learn about God about how he leads us as his people. And the first thing we learn about God's leadership is that God prevents things from overwhelming you. So go ahead and fill that out in your notes. God prevents things from overwhelming you. You see, when you and I find ourselves in situations, uh, difficult problems, things that come our way, sometimes we don't know what to do in those perplexing moments. But I will tell you, my life experience has taught me that in those moments, my perspective will shift when I realize that God has placed me there Or he's allowing it to happen in my life for reasons that I may not currently know. And some of you may be going through something like that today. In fact, this was the case for a couple named Russell and Darlene Diebler, who arrived in Papua New Guinea in 1938 to spread the word of Christ on their very first wedding anniversary. Can you imagine that? Married one year and they go to the mission field. However, when the Japanese invaded the East Indies, they were separated and they both suffered greatly. Darlene was imprisoned in a military camp and faced forced labor, near starvation and also various illnesses. One day, she was even singled out for execution. As she was taken to a death camp and looked uh, locked into her cell with the words, this person must die, written on the door by the guards, Darlene found herself singing a song that she learned as a child in Sunday school. She said she felt the strong arms of God around her and realized that though her captors could lock her in, they could not lock out Jesus. She knew that she was in God's will and that God would never put her where his presence could not sustain her. This assurance, she writes, helped her endure impossible times and even saved her life. J.I. Packer, a famous theologian and the writer of the best-selling book Knowing God, He once wrote that God knows the way he takes us, even if for the moment we do not know. It's pretty powerful. So in our very first 316 story today, Joshua and the people of Israel are just outside of the promised land. Land that was promised to him by God through Moses. The only problem is Moses has just passed away. And the river was at flood stage. So they didn't have a way to cross. It seemed to be insurmountable. There was no way to ferry across. There was no way to trot across or to walk across. They were in a hopeless situation, and they didn't know what to do. Let me ask you that question. Have you ever been in a place like that? Maybe you're in a place like that here this morning. On the edge of relief, chasing the coattails of an accomplishment, maybe being a whisper away from the one thing needed for all to be well. Well, the people of God were in that exact spot until God showed up and showed them his love. Here's what the Bible says. The water above that point where they were standing backed up a great distance at a town called Adam, which is near Zerathun. That's the very first thing we learn. God intervened. God did something special. What's going on here? Well, the first thing we see in the story is that the people of God were waiting at this place that was actually east of the town of Jericho. If you want to look on your uh, globe or your map, you can see it today because Jericho is still there. And the place where the people of Israel crossed is actually marked. If you've ever been to Israel, you can go to the very spot where historians believe that's where the people of Israel crossed in this very story. It's historical. And the Bible says that Joshua and the spiritual leaders were given instructions from God to step into the river with the Ark of the Covenant. And at the command of God, the Jordan River would dry up so they would be able to cross. And that's exactly what happened. The Bible tells us that the water began backing up a great distance away. Some people will ask when they read this story, well, how in the world does something like that happen? Well, technically, there's probably two different things that could happen, two solutions. One would be simply a divine miracle took place. In other words, God just breaks the the natural laws of the universe, and he simply commanded the water to halt, and that's it. And it really wouldn't be beyond the characteristics of God to do so. I mean, ultimately, God spoke the entire universe into existence. Let there be light, and it happens. So God can do that. Two, another solution is maybe he used a natural phenomenon to just stop the water upstream. He could have used a landslide, an earthquake, or other occurrences. In studying this story, you'll find that there's probably five or six times that it actually has happened in that region with that very uh, river over the history of time. It's actually happened like that before. Simply put, God made the laws of physics and he can use them as he wants. So whether God superseded the laws of physics or he used them as he wanted to, either way, the timing of the event constitutes a miracle. And today, God does the same way. Does it the same way. He shows his love by preventing the floodwaters of your situation from overwhelming you and I. He stops many of the problems that are coming our way upstream. He causes the waters of your situation to not overtake you. That's the way God works. He prevents it from even reaching you because he's protecting you. We'll never know this side of heaven how many problems God prevented from coming our way, will we? But if you follow Christ, God says he stops those things from coming to you. He prevents it from reaching us because he's protecting us. Psalm 91 verse 4 is a great verse. The Bible says God will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. God's looking out for us. Psalm 1830 says, God's way is perfect and all the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. So the first thing we discover as God leads us is he prevents the things of life from overwhelming us. He protects us from harm headed our way. What's the second thing? The second thing we discover about God's leadership is God will sometimes remove things in front of you. He'll remove the very things in front of us. So here's a fun question. What do you think is the largest item ever moved in human history? The largest item ever moved. I looked it up and I found out what it was. It's actually a natural gas uh, drilling platform and it holds the record as the largest object ever moved by humans. It's located off the coast of Norway and listen to this, it weighs 1.2 million tons and it stands 1,500 feet That's 150 stories for a building, and they transport it to its location 174 miles away off the Norwegian coast. It took 10 tugboats to pull this thing. The journey was one knot per hour. (laughs) It took seven days and six hours to reach its destination, but once arrived, the tugboats formed a star formation around the platform to support it, and columns were driven 118 feet into the seabed to hold it into place, and there it sits today. But like that 1.2 million ton giant, you and I face giants of our own that need to be moved. But quite frankly, many times we lack the strength and we lack the resources to do it. And so we need God. We face the giants of addiction, the giants of a broken marriage, uh, the giant of debt, depression, maybe loneliness, fear, insecurity. Lots of things we face, and there are giants in our life, and we don't have the capabilities to move it on our own. And so sometimes what we do is we focus on those giants. But I want to encourage you today, don't focus on the giants. Focus on God's ability to move the giants in your life. Christian pastor and writer, Max Licato, I really like him. He's got some great material. He says, focus on giants and you'll stumble. Focus on God and your giants tumble. That's a good one. Write that one down. That's a great, uh, great quote. The text tells us in Joshua 3.16 that the water below the point where the people were flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dried. So what's going on here? Check out the story. As the water stopped 20 miles upstream, the current eventually pulled the remaining water south into the Dead Sea. Gravity did its job. And as the spiritual leaders stepped into this raging river, the size of the water began to dissipate. The river slowly decreased in size. It went from 500 yards wide to 100 yards wide to 20 yards to eventually a dry dry, uh, riverbed is all they saw. That's all that remained. And so their giant had been moved. Their giant had been moved. Imagine for a moment the feeling that they had. Imagine the freedom they felt. Imagine the joy they experienced. Imagine the hope that filled their hearts. The giant has been removed. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And throughout the pages of the Bible, God reveals to us it's often how he removes barriers and he defeats giants in the lives of those who follow him. We see this in the story of David and Goliath. We see it in the story of Moses in the Red Sea. We see it in the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And we see it in the story of uh, Paul and Silas locked up in a Philippian prison cell. In all four of these cases, friend, God removes the obstacle standing in the way so the people of God can move forward. God guided David's stone and he removed Goliath. God split the Red Sea and he removed the barricade. God tamed the lion and saved Daniel. And God unshackled the bonds and removed their constraints. That's what God did. And it goes on and on and on. And the same God who did it then is the same God that can do it now in your life today. He can do it for you too. And here's a fun question when you study this and you look at all these examples of how God will remove the giants. He'll make a way. He'll create an opportunity. The question I always go to is, why? Why does God do this? I mean, is God just showing up, showing off? You know, he just flexes his power. I'm omnipotent. I can do whatever I want. Is God trying to impress you and me? Is God trying to show the enemy he's stronger than him? Is God just having fun? He randomly likes to do just random acts of kindness just for fun? Or is there something greater going on here? Well, if you study the scripture, you'll find out there's something deeper happening. The reason why God loves to remove the giants from our life and loves to uh, work on behalf of his people is because God cares for you. That's why. God cares for you. God's moved by his love for you. How do I know that? Well, in the Bible, Jesus was moved by hurting people, hurting people who needed help. Let me share a story with you. One day, a leper approached Jesus, and he asked Jesus if he was willing to help him. The leper, in essence, said, will you remove this giant of sickness from my life? And here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, verse 41, the very beginning of Mark's gospel. He says Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved. He reached out and touched him. He said, I am willing, Jesus said, be healed. He was moved with compassion for this poor man who was sick. So in summary, what we're learning in this part is that God leads his people because he's moved with compassion for them. And when God removes barriers in your life, friend, it's rooted in his concern for your life. It's rooted in his concern for life. Don't ever think that God's not concerned about what you're going through. Don't ever think that God isn't paying attention to what's happening. He is. So what we've learned so far today is that God leads us by preventing things from overwhelming you and he removes things in front of you. What's the final thing we learn in the passage today? We learn this about God's leadership is that God provides the way forward for you. God provides a way forward for you. Our 316 story ends with this. Then all the people crossed over. Say that with me. Crossed over. Say it again. Crossed over. Are you ready to cross over today? Cross over your problems. Just go right through it. Why? Because God's going to create a way for you to cross over the situation. So what are you going to do? You're going to cross over or stand where you are? Like it or not, this is the race you're in. This is your time to move forward. With the giant in front of them removed and the water upstream barred from overwhelming them, the people of God now had an opportunity to move forward. Forward into all that God had in store for their life the promised land now awaited them mark batterson who's a pastor in washington dc and a very prolific christian author he wrote a book called wild goose chase and i love this quote he says when christianity turns into a noun it becomes a turnoff christianity always intended to be a verb and more specifically an action verb the title of the book of acts says it all doesn't it it's not the book of ideas or theories, or the book of words, it's the book of Acts. If the 21st century church said less and did more, maybe we would have the same kind of impact the first century church did. Lean to your neighbor and say, ouch, right? He nails it there, doesn't he? I think Mark is onto something here, I really do. How many times has God cleared away the obstacles in your life and you delayed or dismissed the opportunity in front of you? Just think about that for a moment where you sit today. You see, one of the ways that God shows his love to you is to provide a way forward for you. Let me encourage you with the best way I can encourage you. It's time for you to cross over. For some of you here today, it's time to put the past behind you. Stop letting that haunt you. Put it behind you. It's time to move into the new land that God has promised you. It's time today. You see, during one of Jesus' last teaching moments, before he went to the cross, he taught his followers the importance of moving forward with opportunities provided to them by God. It's called the parable of the talents. It's found in Matthew chapter 25. You can write that down in your notes and and look at it later this week. But in this story, there are three workers, and they each receive a certain portion of money. One of the guys who receives the money, he does nothing with it. He buries it. While the other two guys, they doubled the money entrusted to them. They were efficient. They moved forward with the opportunity in front of them. The owner comes back in the story, and the workers show up to present their results. Well, the two workers who doubled their dollars, here's what the owner said, the master said. He told them, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and I will now set you over much. The lazy worker, the guy who buried the talent, he essentially was fired on the spot by the owner. Batterson's comments on this are very striking. He says, some of us live as if we expect to hear God say, well thought, good and faithful servant. <laughs> well said, good and faithful servant. God is not going to say either of those two things. There is only one praise in the story, well done good and faithful servant that's what God's going to tell us so here's a couple of questions for you by way of application what door has God opened for you that you have yet to walk through what door this year has God opened for you already and you've yet to walk through what obstacle has been removed but you're stubbornly standing as if it's still there How about this? What riverbed has been removed of all of its water for you, and yet you are refusing to cross over? Very powerful questions. They hit you right in the heart. Someone may say, well, I need to pray more about that, Pastor. I need to pray a little bit more about the opportunity. Now, that may be true in some cases. Please hear me. But I will say this. If the way has been made clear, in many times, the time to pray is done. The time to move is now. So instead of praying about those actions, it's important to take action. Move forward. The way is clear. So instead of praying about filling out the application, just fill it out. Instead of praying about making that call to uh, bring healing in that relationship, just make the call. Instead of praying about writing the check, write the check. Instead of praying about setting the appointment, set the appointment. Instead of praying about having the conversation, have the conversation. Just start moving forward. In other words, my encouragement to you today is stop talking about doing something for God and just go do it. That's what we see in the story. So today we have seen that God leads us in three specific ways. Here they are up on the screen. He prevents things from overwhelming you. He removes things in front of you. And he provides the way forward for you. Those are the three things. And in every area, we, can, can, we come to understand that God does this because of his great care and compassion for us as his people. Simply put, God loves you. Listen to me, friend. God loves you, and he shows you his love by leading you through the challenges and the struggles and the battles that we face in this life. So one of the things I want to impress upon you in this 10-part series is each message Is going to teach us something about God's nature and God's character. Theologians use the word attribute. An attribute is a way to describe you and me. You may say a certain person is joyful, they have the attribute of kindness. Okay? So God has attributes, and one of the attributes that we're gonna learn, the one we've learned today, is the attribute of God's grace. God is gracious. So write that down in your notes. God is gracious. Each one of the 316 verses we're going to look at is going to give us a different part of God's character and a different part of God's nature. And inadvertently, we're going to teach you guys some theology over the next 10 weeks. But we're going to structure inside of these 316 verses by learning how the verses speak to us, how it applies to our life, and then what does it tell us about God's nature or his character. That's the structure of the series. So this message today is about God's grace. What do I mean by that? God's grace is a part of his divine nature. It's actually baked into who he is. In other words, God can't be anything other than gracious to us as his creation because God is gracious. Does that make sense? That's what we're establishing here. A graceful God is one who wants to lead his creation. He wants to lead you into a place of safety, a place of purpose, a place of flourishing, and a place of success. God's not after you, He doesn't want to squish you. He doesn't want to ruin your life. He doesn't want to be a killjoy on all of your fun. No, God wants to benefit you. He wants to grow you. He wants you to live life to the full. And he teaches us how to do that when we become his follower. A graceful God allows us to defeat the giants in our life. A graceful God is what propels us into new opportunities that await us. God's grace is what protects us from the water upstream, looking for a way down to drown us out. God stops those things. A gracious God is what propels him to remove the obstacles we talked about. A graceful God is why things open up for us and we namely get to understand his presence and his purpose for our life in a better way. But I'd be uh, mistaken if I didn't offer one final element to God's grace and that is the grace that some of you may need today and that is the grace of his forgiveness if you've yet to receive it. So maybe you're here today in the closing minutes of this service and you've never given your life over to Jesus Christ. And the burden of your sin weighs heavy on your heart this morning and you feel as though you're in a prison of of guilt or failure or shame or, or disappointment. Listen, I want to encourage you and tell you today, you don't have to stay there. What we've learned from this story is God loves you and God is ready to lead you out. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ today and you come to the cross for forgiveness, just like millions upon millions of other people have done before, you will find what you're looking for. Because at the cross, you will find true freedom. At the cross, you will find true forgiveness. And at the cross, you will find God's amazing grace. So friend, I want to encourage you, don't wait another day. Today is your day. You're here for a reason. Today is the day that you find freedom and you find forgiveness for your soul. So make the decision to follow Christ and receive him as your Savior and your Lord. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's message. I really hope it's giving you inspiration and has strengthened your faith. Remember, no matter the challenges that you may be facing today, God's always there with you, and he has all the resources you need to overcome them. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, we pray for everyone listening in today's program, and we trust in your goodness today and your greatness. We ask for your protection and your provision in our lives. We pray that you bring peace to our hearts and our minds, no matter the situation we're facing. And we serve you with all of our hearts and ask for your blessings upon all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Well, thank you for that prayer. And as we end today's broadcast, if you feel God leading you to support this ministry, please go to entrusted.tv and you can find all the information you need to keep this ministry strong and growing. Thank you in advance for your generosity. And remember, for a gift of any amount during the month of September, we will send you a copy of Pastor Anderson's newest book, God 316, 10 Ways God Shows Us His Love. We really hope you enjoy it. We will see you next week at this same time on this same station.